0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. Glad you are with me. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. A little bit, a little bit weary, I will admit. A lot of hours of radio today after getting back from Cleveland yesterday and unfortunately coming home with an L 31 21. Uh, missed field goal at the end could have made 31-24 with the opportunity outside kick because you're right at the two-minute warning you were gonna have to without a timeout so yeah tough one good things to take out of it many good things to take but unfortunately uh too many mistakes interception led to three points fumble led to seven uh tackling in the second half not great Mistakes offensively to, uh, throughout the second half. So they didn't play clean enough to beat a very, very good team. And unfortunately, the injuries also piled up. So let's get into tonight's show. We're going to hear from Andre Ware here in just a second. But because it's Game Week Thursday. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's Game Week Thursday, even though it's Monday. The injury report came out. Now, it's very important to note today, the September 20th injury report for the Texans and Panthers are only an estimation of a player's participation if there were full practices. So, we had four players on the DNP list. One, well, I mean, all of these I think you can anticipate. Wide receiver, Danny Amendola. Tyrod Taylor, I think they ended up going out on the same play on Tyrod's uh, rush to the end zone. So they went out. Terrence Mitchell, at some point when he was playing a rolled up cover two, I think it was Austin Hooper, threw Hooper the ball in the flat and Terrence, as Hooper turned around hit, Terrence caught him right on the thigh, but he also took the brunt of that on shoulder and neck. So he was being evaluated for a concussion at that point. So... If he's in the concussion protocol, which it appears he is in now, I don't think he'll be able to play Thursday. That's just from past experience. If you go in the concussion protocol, I don't think you can get to a Thursday game. So you've got that. And uh, the last one is Nico Collins. Now there's a little bit of news apparently about Nico Collins. This came out some point on Monday that he is going to be out three to four weeks with that shoulder injury he caught that first plant that first pass little glance route up the middle and showed everything boy he was I mean he was hauling Denzel Ward is one of the fastest guys in the NFL able to, to catch him he was about the only guy that could have caught him I think and then when he tackled him he landed on that shoulder and it looks like it's going to be three to four weeks that Nico Collins is going to be out now three to four weeks that probably is an IR stint because you can come off IR after three weeks. So if the three to four weeks is accurate, then, okay, three to four uh, weeks might be uh, an IR trip. We'll see. But that's what's being reported. That's not anything that Texas will ever put out there other than if he goes on IR. And uh, we'll see whether that ends up being the case for Nico Collins. But DNPs were Danny Amendola, Nico Collins, Terrence Mitchell, Terod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Limited participants, both dealing with knee issues, Kamu Grugier-Hill and Justin Reed. Those two guys were fantastic defensively. They were fantastic. Now, there were other guys that went out of that game. Charles who uh, had a on when he came out. Roy Lopez, uh, when he came out, they're not listed on the injury report. Again, this is just an estimate. The official report, uh, status report, will come out, I believe, on Wednesday. So, it's not 21 guys on the injury report like it was going into in Cincinnati in 2017, but uh, six is enough. Now, on the Panthers side, again, it's an estimate, but starting guard Pat Elfline and defensive end Itur Grossmatos. Matos, Grossmatos dealing with ankle, Pat Elfline dealing with hamstring. They did not participate. Limited participants Cam Irving, Morgan Fox. Full participants, Dennis Daly, Taylor Mouton, Giovanni Ricci, Tommy Tremble. Those are probably guys that got nicked up a little bit on Sunday. They were in the full participant category. So from the looks of it, I guess you would say Carolina relatively healthy versus the Texans. But it's it's degrees of uh, or shades of color, if you will. Uh, there's not a whole lot difference going into a Thursday game. Panthers will travel, obviously, on Wednesday, play the game 7-20 against the Panthers on Thursday evening. All right, let's dive in with our good friend Andre Ware, who has got double duty, as in Thursday night, Friday night games. But we talked to him and started with yesterday's game against the Browns.
1: Dre, how are you feeling hey, a morning. day later on a short week heading into the Carolina game?
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, what went on
2: yesterday, and you know, just unfortunate you lose to Rod Taylor uh, for a couple of weeks. I, I guess I would imagine a couple of weeks. That's, that's how it's take. It's about how long it's taken me at times when I've got hamstring injury. So just to lose him, period, for any significant amount of time, because you go back and start replaying that game in your head, and they were right. They were in it and defense was playing well offense was moving the football consistently matching points and then that happens uh it's just tough tough pill to swallow knowing that you got a quick turnaround not just to rod but other players that that went down yesterday in, in the game who knows what their availability availability is going to be for thursday night and uh but you got to strap it up and, uh, and get ready for a quick turnaround
1: Wait. Tell me one more time about hamstring injuries and your experience and how it feels and how long it takes to get back.
2: Well, the one thing I can tell you from experience is that you can't try to come back way too early uh, because it'll feel like it's ready. Uh, you can, the minute you can, you can run straight ahead, and then all of a sudden, when you really try to push it, that's when it's going to grab. And when it grabs, it's like starting all over again so you you've got to give it the necessary amount of time the rest and for you know from my experience it's been at least 2 weeks and sometimes longer than that
0: you know what that would mean no Tyrod at Buffalo
1: yeah which right. of
0: any of the teams that Tyrod I would imagine wants to wants to go up and play well uh. against i mean Dre, for these 6 quarters that Tyrod has played for the Texans from your expectation going into the season and what you saw in those six quarters, how did it compare?
2: Uh, he's surpassed what what I I thought it was going. This team has played better than I thought they would play, um, and, I, and I said it in the preseason, maybe even after the first preseason game. Uh, give credit to the coaching staff because it's a team that's that's very well coached, ready to play. They know situations. Uh, you can tell there are no bright lights. Where anybody's, they're not seeing anything that they haven't thought they were going to see uh, during a week's worth of preparation and practice. And so, when you can, when you when you're that way, when when that happens, it allows you to play fast. It allows you to get to spots even if you know you're not a guy running four four six plays at 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 four five four four because you know where to go and how fast to get there, uh, and what's expected. And so, I think it's a credit to the staff for bringing a bunch of guys together on a bunch of one-year contracts, and all of a sudden, they're competitive.
1: Trey, what are we looking at with Davis Mills here? A mixed bag yesterday, but definitely some bright spots and the touchdown pass to Cook, sure, but there were some other throws, and they've got limited time to get him ready. He doesn't have any real full-speed type practicing this week because it's such a short week. They'll do some walk-through stuff. They'll do a little bit of throwing, I'm sure, but – It's going to be tough, and you don't really know who's available yet, and hopefully uh, you get enough bodies out there to put together a good game plan. What are you expecting from him, and what did you make of his performance yesterday?
2: Well, I expect some ebbs and flows, uh, some ups and downs where, you know, he's going to look good at times, and he's going to look like a rookie at times, and that's just uh, the nature of what what happens, and that happened yesterday to him where he started off as a rough patch getting started and then finally kind of settled in. Uh, I think he's going to see a lot of blitz. He's going to see a lot of different looks uh, from Carolina that uh, maybe he hadn't seen before. And with a short week, it's tough to get all that stuff uh, digested and and recognized where you can fully fully get yourself in a a mental state where you are prepared for it. Because there's going to be something that he doesn't see that they haven't shown yet. And uh, if you had experience, well, maybe in another game, okay, we did this when we saw this look and this is what I need to get to. And it's, you know, you process it quickly. Uh, he's not going to have that that benefit on Thursday night. So there's going to be some ups and downs. Uh, will he keep the team in a competitive state? I think so. Uh, but others around him are certainly going to have to help him out. All
0: right, Dre, you having played the position, this is my theory. I didn't really play the position, so I don't know. But I've just my experience with quarterbacks – younger quarterbacks inexperienced quarterbacks going into a game sometimes it's sort of difficult to kind of work yourself into a lather if you've got to throw a ball into a tight spot early sometimes you squeeze it you got too much energy i'm of a firm belief you throw it deep early to kind of get all that energy out do you agree with that and if so why does that make sense
2: Totally agree. And until you get hit, I think, uh, you know, even a run was when I got, I kind of got settled yeah. into a game. So right, uh, different quit happens for quarterbacks in different ways. sometimes it's a simple completion to get you going. This depends on the game and it depends on the individual, but you're right. If, uh, if you can uncork one to get all the butterflies out and, and uh, all the adrenaline where you settle in faster you just got to know each individual quarterback and how it works in that situation. But uh, you, you are a hundred percent right in terms of uh, just, uh, and I think, I honestly think Davis Mills is that way because he went into yesterday's game, wanting to dial a couple up quickly. And so then at, not until he threw a few incompletions down the field, did he really settle in and start to hit check downs and, and uh, short to intermediate routes.
1: Andre, we're joining us on Texans Monday Stopping the run, obviously incredibly difficult yesterday. 156 on the ground for the Cleveland Browns and three rushing touchdowns, one of them by Mayfield. But that was tough. We knew it would be. And they got to do it on Thursday. And now you have Christian McCaffrey coming in here, and he's a very different kind of back. He
2: is, and he's kind of all of <laughs> – all of a little bit of everything, some power, some speed, some agility. He's got it all. I mean, he is the complete back where he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can pass protect. He is a three-down back in every sense of the word. And, then, you know, flashback to yesterday, they've got two monsters and Chubb and Hunt, and then you throw Demetric Felton into that mix, and, and uh, uh... he's an excellent change of pace. Now, they've got the best running back situation in the league, and that—that's—I I don't know that it's even close between them and anywhere else. But uh, it, it's impressive the roster that Cleveland's been able to put together, uh, the way they're starting to play, and and I think they've got uh, a very very bright future uh, in Cleveland if they can if they stay healthy. They're going to be a tough out.
0: Dre, the one thing that Mark and I talked a little bit about uh, was Phil Snow, defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if in your college travels you've come across Phil. Uh, But he spent a lot of time in college, and it shows in the defense in some sense. Now, I haven't gone all the way in, but it feels like there's a lot more blitzing there than the Texans have seen either of the Mm -hmm. first two weeks, and it's Davis Mills presumably going to be the starter. We don't know for sure, but if it is Davis Mills as the starter, and you know that Carolina is going to be blitzing and bringing guys from different locations at different times, what's the advice that you would have or the coaching points you would give to Davis knowing full well somebody's coming and they're maybe coming from someplace you're not looking, what's the advice you would sort of give to him if you are going to see a relatively blitz or uh, you know, scheme-diverse sort of thing like you're going to see from the Panthers?
2: I get as much blitz work as you can get uh, this week, whether it's you know full-speed practices or however they're going to approach the short week. But mental reps, film study, Uh, get you a blitz cut up of of every blitz that Carolina's run uh, and maybe go back to some stuff that he may have done in college where you're trying to to get as much blitz information as you can because he cannot take the kind of hit that Grant Delpit put on him yesterday Uh, uh, over and over again. (laughs) We're going to see Jeff Driscoll quickly if that's the case. But uh, um, you, you you, you cannot allow free rushers to get to you. Know where you're protected get the ball out, know your hot read. You go back and you look at that, Um, there is – I'm not sure who the back was. Somebody leaked out and was open. If you stand and face the blitz and deliver it – yeah, Rex Burkhead. If you stand and face it and deliver it, the the more you hit plays against the blitz and they go for big yardage, uh, the more likely defenses are going to get out of it because now they see they can't affect you. I used to love it. Uh, Because I knew one-on-one was somewhere, find my best receiver, and let's, hey, let's go make a play. I know I'm going to get hit. I got to stand in and take it sometimes, but I know I've got the best matchup right here. Let's protect it up, buy myself a couple of of – or uh, split seconds by sliding away from – the free rusher and throw an accurate ball and give your receiver a chance he's gonna to have to do that over and over because uh he's going to see a bunch of blitz especially early in the game as as carolina tries to take charge
1: i just saw the Tarad taylor touchdown run again and it's so depressing because you can just yeah. see it happen almost and totally. yeah and you guys were talking about Amendola running his uh cover guy out of the back of the end zone just running him across to clear space did he get hurt on that play too? Was that Yes. They both We lost two hamstrings on one play. Yes. Wow. All right. I'm just really, <clears throat> really wow. feeling it this morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe uh, and it, it, we're Texans Monday presented by Houston Methodist and it's it's but probably for a appropriate reason. like today it's all the injuries and everything that you have to get through. Andre, <laughs> boy, Tennessee pulled one out at Seattle. I know we were in the air, but I know uh, we sort of reviewed that game later. And Johnny and I were talking about it. You know how I feel. I thought Derek Hem- Henry was the league's MVP last year yeah. uh, because of what he meant to that team. And what he meant to that team yesterday was uh, on display again for the world.
2: Yeah, I, I think the first week they they may have tried to play with some new toys and Julio Jones and, and the likes and, and uh, throw it around a little bit. But Ryan Tannehill, when you start to mix Derrick Henry in, who I think ran for about 182 yards and three touchdowns, and then Tannehill threw for 360-something. It all starts to work and starts to come together. And they are a run-first offense with Derrick Henry, who why would you ever get away from that if you know you have that type of talent and that ability uh, and who can get it done even when defenses know it's coming? That makes the stuff on the outside that much easier because you're going to have the one-on-one matchups. And Julio went for over 100 yards receiving mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. So uh, they're a dangerous team when they figure out how to use Derrick Henry in the right way. And I'm not sure who the or- offensive coordinator is there, but he's figured it out. It took him a week. Uh, he's like, hey, let me get back to what was going on here before I, before I took over. And uh, it, it, it bode well. That's a tough place to go. Tough place to travel to win a football game. It's a long way uh, up the uh, the northwest to the northwest, but uh, it's uh, it's tough to win there. It's loud. Their 12th man's always affecting things. How do you do it uh, the way Tennessee did it yesterday?
0: And I respect a team like the Browns so much more for that, Dre. The fact that Kevin Stefanski knows what his – his team is he knows what it is it's that we're yeah. gonna mess around and get baker throws no it's chubb and it's hunt and they run them 25 times in a game and they just pound on you and, well, they,
2: I'll, and they i'll give leave you a this
0: mark.
2: i'll give you this as well think about it odell beckham jr he's he's still out recovering from an acl yeah, injury yeah. right jarvis landry caught one ball yesterday and went out of the game so he was yep. unavailable and they still were able to to produce behind those three backs, the two main ones, and obviously Felton, and he's big in the return game as well. And then Rashad Higgins reemerges along with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So uh, it's a deep team, three outstanding tight ends, uh, and the offensive line is is better than average. So you start mixing all that stuff together along with what they have on the defensive side, that's that's a good football team. They went into Kansas City last week with a chance yeah. to win it, and if the punter – doesn't muff the punt, uh, they probably win that game.
0: Dre, what do you think? And I don't know how much you got to see of it, uh, if you got to see the end of it. I haven't I seen it yet. Ravens Chiefs last night, your guy Lamar getting a win for the Ravens. I mean, that was just such a – after losing that Monday night game to the Raiders, the way the Ravens lost it, for the Ravens to win that game, a back and forth in the second half, and for Lamar to get that win and the Ravens to get that win, uh, what does it say about your guy Lamar? Uh,
2: it says a lot about him that, you know, I I knew he would bounce back. I didn't know it would be this quick having to go to go on the road to Kansas city and figure out a way to win there. But how about John Harbaugh? I mean, I I just love the way the guy coaches, uh, you sent a tremendous message to your football team going forward on fourth down, because you knew if you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, they're going to drive down and kick a field goal. But he asked Lamar. Yeah, and, and he, he goes, do you want to go for it? he Hey, do you have anything left in the tank to get me one yard? Absolutely. And put it right square on the shoulders of number eight, and he delivered. And so uh, I just wish more coaches took that approach because, and you guys have heard me say this over and over. I, I do college games on Saturdays, and, and I see guys that are always looking to the sideline and the coaches calling the play. Well, you're playing the game with one hand tied behind your back. If your guy on the field at quarterback can't see and call and check in and out of plays uh, and know the game well enough and know the game plan well enough, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And when you uh, when you defer to them and allow them, hey, I see this. Let me let's get to this. And he get and he has that kind of trust. Lamar has earned. That kind of trust from John Harbaugh to where do you want to go for it? How's what's the pulse of the team? All that was going on in that question of do you want to go for it? Uh, mm-hmm. what's the pulse of the offensive line? How are the guys in the huddle? Without calling timeout, he gave him an unequivocally yes, and they went for it in the game. That was ball game. So uh, just hats off to what they did last night. It was fun to see, fun to watch from a quarterback head coach uh, standpoint, it was brilliant.
1: You know, these primetime games have been so entertaining. Washington and the Giants on Thursday, I know they're not great teams necessarily, but that was a really entertaining game. Yeah. And, you know, you have tonight, then the Texans on Thursday with the Panthers. If this thing doesn't come down to the wire, then everyone's going to be really disappointed. So I think we should all expect that kind (laughs) of thing. And. Uh, it just boggles my mind. It doesn't really boggle my mind, but it impresses me about this league, Andre, that all the work that all these teams put in, April conditioning, May, OTAs, June, whatever you do there, and training camp and the weeks yeah. and the reps and everything, and things come down to a sliver here and a sliver there. It's a fascinating game that way.
2: Yeah, play here and play there. as um, oh. one college coach who was at Florida State said they're two plays away from from being uh, being undefeated, well, it's that way in the NFL.
1: Mm. For a lot of
2: a lot of teams this morning, that that feel like they're a couple of plays away, and they really are. I mean, look at uh, at Baltimore; they're a play away from being undefeated. Kansas City, a couple of plays away from being undefeated, and it's the, you know the talent level is just that that close. I think the coaching is just that close. When you find uh, good coaches or a good staff, it's hard to beat them because the talent is just so close across the board. But they you're right. The Monday nights and the Thursday night games have been entertaining to the first two weeks, uh, and I know this. I know the Texans will come out with some adrenaline. Uh, it's Thursday night. They're the only show on uh, across the league. It, 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 they will come out and and, and play an inspirational game. Uh, it's just got to be that way for 60 minutes.
0: And the Friday night and the Saturday games have been pretty darn good too. You had a heck of a one Friday night driver UCF in Louisville. But I love you having a Friday game because then we get to watch games together on Saturday, and we watched a lot of that Alabama-Florida game. And yeah. it's been interesting to kind of see the fallout of a, of a loss for Alabama. Yes, it was a win, but the loss of – it was so close. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. people have said, oh, look, there's not a dominant team in college football this year. A, is that true? And B, if it is, if it is true that there is no dominant team – Is it making a more exciting college football season, or do we need to have a villain? Do we need to have a 2002 Miami uh, or a 2003 Oklahoma that's just dominating and everybody wants to see that team lose? How do you look at the college football season thus far, Dre? Well,
2: they're as close to being as dominated, you know, a dominating team as you possibly can get. They'd be in Alabama. But I don't know if you guys remember this conversation. We said, well, is there somebody out of the SEC that could be a surprise this year? I said, well, if Florida gets – some consistent quarterback play and they could throw yes. the ball a little bit it could be the University of Florida because you know Dan Mullen I like him as a head coach and what he's done there he's accumulated a lot of talents recruited well and I just felt like this was kind of go- this was going to be the year that they turned the corner I don't think they dropped in the AP after losing uh, they were number 11 going into that game I think they stayed at 11 and a couple of teams dropped Clemson uh, and someone else dropped after after wins that uh, were very very close wins uh, on uh, on this weekend. But yeah, Alabama's got it rolling. Um, I don't know if somebody gets them or trips them up along the way. Auburn has played an inspirational game on the road at Penn State, where the Nittany Lions were able to to, to seal Ooh. one late. That was a good entertaining. And it's been some mm. just good overall football on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And the game that I had uh, Friday night, Louisville and UCF, that's as entertaining a game as I might have done in in a very very long time. So it uh, it's it's just some good football being played across the board.
0: Oh yeah, our next guest also has another college game this weekend. That's our buddy Spencer Tillman right here on Texans All Access. That's next. Miller Lite has been a true Texas original since being first brewed in Texas in 1975. That's first brewed, as in first brewed anywhere in the United States, right here in Texas in 1975. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste, only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller Lite this season, you can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLite.com. Slash buy beer online, millerlight.com, slash buy beer online, and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Welcome back to Texans All Access, and hopefully, you have your Miller Light nearby. As we get into this segment brought to you by Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of the Houston. Texans, and it's time to get in some X's and O's with our guy who does inside the game for KTRK, you see him on Saturdays, for college football, he does preseason football for us, the Texans, he is everywhere, he's like Roy Kent, it's Spencer Tillman, and we had a chance to catch up with Spencer, get his thoughts, and well, as expected, Spencer never holds
1: back. That was a tough one. They're all tough to take, but that was a tough one because it was a so-called winnable game. They played well. Your thoughts on what you saw yesterday?
3: Well, with respect to your previous comments, um, the Emmys were yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, that, that's listen, <laughs> it that happens, man, from time to time. My, my general thoughts um, are this team is, is better than what people thought they were. Uh, to be able to still be in contention against a team that went toe-to-toe with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously sh- you know showed up in the Super Bowl the last couple of years, short on the on short end last year. But the bottom line is the fact that you're there uh, among the top 32 is really impressive in back-to-back years in this era that we're in right now. So that I, I hate comparisons like that um, because there, there's so much water in between when those events happen and now. But I, I have to say that I am impressed with the Texans' ability to stay in there against a really tough opponent, who although they were depleted a little bit on the offensive side of the ball by the 60 minutes of being over with, they were they were down even more. Um, Odell Beckham, of course, uh, was out, and then the, they lost another star at wide receiver. So they were down. And I think when when Baker went, I, I mean, he didn't go out, but I knew exactly when he hurt his arm that they weren't going to go vertical downfield. And that's when they morphed into this juggernaut of a run game, which they always have been. That one-two punch is just it's impressive. But I I was warning the Texans. I was just jumping up and down, man, saying they're not going to go vertical. So you sell out and defend the run. And as it turned out, that's what stuck you in the end. Um, you, I, I'd go zero coverage. I really would. Because if you look, I guarantee you past that first half, you wouldn't see a pass 20 yards or more down the field because Baker couldn't make that throw. Everything was going to be quick game, screen. That's how they got their yardage. So they were, you know, we stayed in a, some cover two look. I'd take that extra body and put them down the line of scrimmage, man, and just sell out to stop the run because we were getting displaced on the defensive front some by the end of the game guys were getting moved and that was the unfortunate part. I just would have been a little bit more aggressive. Listen, but who am I? It's easy to second guess. And uh, I'm just impressed with the overall competitiveness actually.
0: Spencer, what you talked about the, the run game. I don't want to talk about Chubb and Hunt specifically. And, and obviously we mm-hmm. have been around football long enough. We all know that all the levers have to be working in the right direction. They got to have the offensive line, move some guys. But the punishment that those two seem to exact on a defense, it felt like yesterday was kind of exhibit 1,234 of the Browns running backs leaving a mark on defensive backs and that paying off in the fourth quarter. What's your assessment of those two running backs um, individually and then as a group and how much they give that team an identity?
3: Well, they're incredible. I mean, and when you combine that with the fact that you have um, an offensive line and if you notice, when we tried to tackle, we were always engaged. In other words, you're reaching. And when you're trying to reach to stop someone who's running downhill at you, that's 215, 220, and 225 in, in some weeks, those guys vacillate back and forth. But they're, they're, they're strong, they're fast, and physics starts to work in their advantage. But if you're actually being engaged by, the, by an offensive lineman and you're trying to reach and stop one of those guys, that's virtually impossible to do. And, and it's, it's almost impossible to do with smaller type backs. But with big frame guys, the physics works against you. So I noticed every time that we miss tackles, and to your point about direction, directional calls. For the, your listeners out there, you know when we talk about directions, uh, we see stunts and stuff all the time where guys try to confuse. But when you decide to go left or right, you know whatever your terminology is, Louis Ringo, whatever you're doing, you better make sure that you replace. In other words, if everybody's going to go to the left that person to your right needs to move and replace you because the run fits are absolutely critical. Otherwise, your defense has no integrity. And anything can happen in this scheme that the Cleveland Browns run because that back actually has the latitude to take multiple levels or pathways to get to the next level. So anywhere along that line, there could be a matchup among the many matchups that are taking place that could spring. And it's up to an instinctive back to determine where that may. it may be different every single series. It, one guy may have an advantage this series, another a guard may have an advantage the next series, and then those holes change. But the one thing that in, insulates you from that is to make sure you have your run fits buttoned down at least they have to run through more than one body to get to the other end.
1: Spencer Tillman joining us right now on Texans Monday, So a short week, Spencer, three days from now, you're going to play the Carolina Panthers. What is it like for the team? What do they need to do? What can they do to get ready? with such a short amount of time to prepare?
3: Well, it's a different challenge, whereas this one was a physical war of attrition. I think this is going to be both to a lesser degree physical but mental. You know, when you, you look at what um, Joe Brady has done, I mean, obviously he was the architect, of, even though it's a different level. What he did with, with uh, Joe Burrow was absolutely amazing at LSU, winning the national championship. Then, of course, Matt Rule gets the head coaching job and then brings him immediately. And you're, you're seeing the same kind of renaissance with Sam Darnold, right? It, it, the Jets are the ones that screw that up. This guy was gifted and talented at USC. We knew that. I think he, if memory serves, he was like their third pick overall in 2018. So he's a, he's a tremendous talent. They finally got him with a coordinator that is marrying his skill set with McCaffrey. And when you put all of that together, it's a different kind of challenge, right? You obviously have to figure out what McCaffrey is at all times. But uh, beyond that, you've got to play the types of coverages that have made um, Lovey Smith the great coordinator and head coach at times that he was. And this, this has fallen into his will house. So I don't expect there to be any fall off on the defensive side. It's really about tracking uh, McCaffrey.
0: Spencer, I, I want to say that you maybe did a Davis Mills game when he was back at Stanford. I don't totally remember that, but it feels like yep. it makes sense. Either way, what are your thoughts about the rookie quarterback, what you saw yesterday once he got settled in? Obviously, struggled early, but he did make some throws once he got kind of settled in. What do you think of – of Davis when he was coming out of Stanford, and what do you think of how he performed yesterday?
3: Well, it's a great question. I, I talked to David Shaw, his former head coach at Stanford, a couple of weeks ago about him at Link. And what I came away with is what everyone knew, right, when you get him with, the, with your third-round pick, your first overall for the Texans. He's smart. Uh, he's intelligent. Now, what we saw yesterday was a guy who came in, uh, obviously not getting the lion's share anywhere close to it or near half or a quarter, of the first you know, reps in, in, in practice situation at the next level, he's going to be rusty, right? And, and it, the gro- growing pains happen right in front of our eyes. You know, He came out, opened up a couple of times on the wrong side. Those were just mistakes. But you watched him mature as the game came along. And I thought Tim Kelly, this started last year, about week seven. I saw a Renaissance take place in the way he calls and designs plays. Tim Kelly is, is one of the, I, I would say, a top five play caller right now in this league because of his ingenuity and his creativity to see there's there's more than just putting in plays. there are three components to it you have to teach them show them and then you got to get them to do it though and some of that goes to the position coaches but just to have the capacity to come up with those twin packages and those scrapes and those rubs you know reminiscent of what we saw with seattle and the patriots when what made malcolm butler a hero in that super bowl uh that same defensive look is what allowed them to get that touchdown, you know, with the, with cooks and underneath. And, and I, I don't know exactly who was in that inside position, but whoever was, it was the screen. It may have been, I can't remember. Who it was It escapes me right now, but really it's the creativity that went into that design. Uh, and that has been consistent since about week eight from last year. And let me tell you something, Tim Kelly's a bright guy, man. He's, I, I reserve comment to say much until about maybe I'm 75 to 80% sure but after about almost a year worth of games, he's gone to another level in his creativity. And I'm impressed by that.
1: Spencer, what do you have this weekend on the college circuit?
3: Well, I've got the, the Hawkeyes. They slowly put together a pretty good Ooh. dominant kind of record with everybody, you know, focused on Ohio State's trouble. And so we'll, we'll see Ohio state got a win over a a game Tulsa team last week. And so that that was impressive to see coach Ryan day uh, navigate, but I've got Iowa, uh, Kirk Ferentz, the longest tenured coach in in, in college football. We'll see if he can continue to rise.
1: Why do you think Ferentz has stayed there so long? I mean, NFL rumors were coming up in the earlier days or in earlier times, but there he is now. I kind of like that. He's there, Spencer. I kind of like guys Mm -hmm. who stick around for a long time because you know, Richard Justice used to say, coaches run from happiness sometimes. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very true. good. And I love that's that true. line. And its uh, I think it's very true in many instances, especially in, at the college level, when you have a good situation, why mess it up? Yeah, I agree with that
3: 100%. And I will say this really quickly, that I think the sentiments in, in middle America, uh, the, the flyover states are a little bit different than they are in other places that hunker and hanker for success. Uh, there's a short lease. And I remember Steve Spurrier telling me once he says I never get too close to my assistants because I may have to fire him one day, and there's some truth to that too. But Kirk Ferentz is in a situation, kind of the antithesis of what, or in some ways similar to Nick Saban, in that the sensibilities are different in the Deep South, and Nick Saban can get away with things in terms of his coaching approach that would never fly on the West Coast. They just simply wouldn't. The, the sensibilities are different. Uh, Kirk Ferentz is right in the middle of that. They change is slow. Um, the, the sensibilities of people are different there. And if you can get your hooks in and you're winning, average 8, nine, ten uh, wins a year, there's no reason for, that they're going to change. They're slow to change. I mean, Bell, Barry Alvarez could have stayed in Wisconsin for however long he wanted to stay there, again, because of the region of the country that you're in. So sentiments have a lot to do with, regionality has a lot to do with, and values ultimately have more to do with it.
0: There he is, Spencer Tillman. You can see him Saturday covering college football for Fox. You can see him on Inside the Game on Saturday night covering a game for us. And he's always here Monday mornings, Texans Monday with Mark and myself. When we get back, we'll go around the league and recap a wild week two here in the NFL. Next on Texans All Access. Hey, Texans fans. Can you hear it? Can you feel it right now? That's right, it's all around you. It's the air we share. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Where we work, where we play, where we grow. It's all part of Daikin's mission to perfect the air we share. And you can learn all about it by visiting Daikin Loves Houston. Com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Dyken is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Welcome back to this edition of Texas All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and it is time to go around the NFL. Scores, yesterday, games, if you missed them, let's do this in chicago andy dalton unfortunately torn acl best of luck to andy bears win in a wild sort of fourth quarter they got up 20 to three then it felt like they were trying to give the game away as the bengals intercepted a pass joe burrow gets it in the end zone but to no avail bears win 20 to 17 that moves both teams to one and one in indianapolis oh boy Things not going well for Carson Wentz as he hurt not one but two ankles. Jacob Eason came in down three at 27-24 and promptly threw a pick to end the game. Jalen Ramsey coming up that pick to seal it. The Rams go to 2-1. The Colts fall to 0-2. Two. two home games but against the NFC West. Yeesh. The Bills and the Dolphins could not have been uglier. The Bills knocked Tua Tungabailoa. All around, left him with Bruce. Ribs, he's in a bad way. The Bills, dominant. Josh Allen threw two touchdowns. Devin Singletary ran for 82 and a touch. Stephon Diggs with a touch. This one was O-V-E-R in a hurry. Bills win 35 to nothing. The Dolphins, one and one. Bills move to two. I'm sorry, one and one as well. The Patriots Last week, lost to the Dolphins 17-16 in Foxborough. This time, they go to MetLife, and they beat the Jets 25-6. Zach Wilson with 1, 2, 3, 4 interceptions on the day. Damian Harrison won the great runs of the year, 25-6. The Patriots go to 1-1. One one. The Jets go to 0-2. In a slobber knocker in Philadelphia, the 49ers move to 2-0 with a 17-11 win over Philadelphia Jimmy Garoppolo with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown Debo Samuel, 93 yards receiving Chandler Hurts, 190 yards passing but can only put up 11 points Philly falls to 1-1 one and one. the Niners a East Coast relatively well, Midwest East Coast trip where they had to stay at the Greenbrier they come out of there 2-0 and head home for week 3 the Raiders taking on the Steelers this is a great 1970s battle and the Raiders coming off a Monday night, eh, not a miracle, but Monday night was wild. And they won that game against the Ravens in overtime. They had to fly to the East Coast, play a one o'clock Eastern game, and still beat the Steelers 26 to 17, the big one in this one. Derek Carr finds Henry Ruggs deep downfield for a touchdown that put the Raiders on top for good. The Raiders are two and zero. Steelers fall to 1-1. One and one. In fact, two teams in the AFC are 2-0. Oh. Can you name them? Because I just gave you one. See if you can figure out the other. We'll get to them in a little bit. Panthers, Texas' next opponent on Thursday night, whitewashed the Saints, and I don't even know that it was close. 26-7. Jameis Winston ran one in to make it 17-7 in the fourth quarter, but a McCaffrey touchdown to Zane Gonzalez field goal. The Panthers were all over Jameis Winston. I think the number was six sacks. Yikes. Uh, Excuse me, four sacks. Got the number wrong. Son Reddick, one and a half. Brian Burns got one. This pass rush is going to be nasty. Oh, boy. That doesn't make me uh, all that excited. But the Panthers get the win, 26-7. Panthers, 2-0. Saints go to 1-1. That other 2-0 team in the AFC, the Broncos, They beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Not sexy. 23-13. Jacksonville in two games has gotten into the red zone once. That was under two minutes against us in garbage time. That's it. That's bad. In a great one in Arizona, the Cardinals beat the Vikings 34-33. Missed field goal at the end. Costs the Vikings... 34-33, Arizona goes to 2-0, the Vikings go to 0-2, Kyler Murray just stupid good, just know that. The Buccaneers against the Falcons, okay, you knew this was going to be a blowout, it was. Tom threw five touchdown passes, that's nine in two weeks. The Chargers and the Cowboys, what a fantastic football game. Greg Zerline hits a 56-yarder to win it 20-17 for the Cowboys, 1-1, Chargers 1-1. these two teams also went to one and one after just haymakers, lobbed, especially in the second half. Titans win in overtime, 33-30. Derrick Henry, well, he did Derrick Henry things, unfortunately. 182 yards on 35 carries and three tutties. Julio Jones had 128 yards receiving, did have a touchdown, overturn. To return. Tannehill, 347 yards. The Seahawks were 52 and 0 at home when leading by 15 points. They're 52 and one. And the Ravens beat the Chiefs in maybe the game of the year thus far. What an incredible football game
1: that was. All right, that's the show. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texas.